This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Everybody, you are now listening to Calling All Workers, brought to you from Union to Manawatu here in Palmerston North. You are today with Lynn Williams from E2, and I'm going to take you through the programme today. So to start with, I would like to announce a public meeting which is taking place on Wednesday the 25th of August. This is at the Globe Theatre in Main Street, Palmerston North. And the meeting is for our campaign of In Safe Hands in conjunction with New Zealand Nurses Organisation. And we want safe staffing now. So at the moment... We are in a national staffing crisis in aged care. This is due to a multiple um, multiple issues in the sector, and aged care workers need safe staffing um, now. So we'd like you to join us as we discuss the issues faced by aged care workers in rest homes and hospitals in Aotearoa due to lack of staffing. We need the government to implement mandatory staffing levels so aged care workers can give the quality care that our seniors need and deserve. Also, um, we will be welcoming grey power and aged concern to our meeting, plus there will be um, lots of ministers Um, from the Labour Party there um, for us to speak to and the aged care sector to tell their stories of what they are experiencing. So just a bit of history about our campaign in safe hands. Every day thousands of aged care staff battle through their shifts, working through exhaustion and stretched to breaking points. They work through their breaks, stay late, unpaid, and especially our registered nurses. The expectation and the obligations on them is huge. We try and ensure that the residents are safe and well cared for, but ultimately this is impossible when there just aren't enough staff on the floor. This report is based on research by the New Zealand Nurses Organisation and ETU, which was undertaken in 2018 to examine the current state of aged care in New Zealand. So what it reveals is we have a broken system which endangers residents and takes a heavy toll on nurses and care staff. We believe the findings will shock New Zealanders. We know the public cares about senior seniors' health and wellbeing 
and will support our call for a review of the safe standards which have allowed staffing to fall to unsafe levels. We've done all the research, now we need some action. The research has been comprehensive with the caring counts and other research done by the two unions. So nurses and caregivers are asking you to please come to our public meeting because they have a message that you need to hear. Unsafe staffing means residents' cares are not getting the care they deserve. Because there are too few staff on shift, care is rationed, and this harms residents and leaves staff distressed by heavy workloads. The problem is that staffing levels are set using outdated and voluntary standards. To ensure every resident gets the care they deserve, we need to update staffing standards and make them mandatory. That is why NZNO and ETU are having these public meetings nationally in regional areas. We want you to add your voice to this call to action. So please come to our Aged Care Safe Staffing Now public meeting on Wednesday the 25th at the Globe Theatre in Main Street, Palmerston North. It starts at 1 o'clock and goes till 3pm. We're also today going to talk about um, winning fair pay agreements. Fair pay agreements could be the best change for workers we've had in decades. Fair pay agreements will be a new form of collective bargaining, covering not just one employer, but a whole industry. Workers will be able to negotiate one set of minimum industry-wide standards that can be improved through single-employer or multi-employer bargaining. Fair pay agreements could give workers a real say in what's happening in their industries. They could slow the race to the bottom that sees employers competing for contracts by keeping wages and conditions down. They could bring, bring better democracy to our workplaces. It's all about getting a fair go. The government has put out a cabinet paper which outlines how fair pay agreements might be designed. Our job is to win public support for the policy and to educate friends, family, workmates and the public about how transformative decent fair pay agreements legislation would be working for our working lives. It's about more than just pay packets. Different workplaces have different needs from adequate training to job security to health and safety. These needs can be addressed in fair pay agreements so workers secure fairness and equity for the work they do. One good example is the practice of welfare checks in the security industry. While some major security employers periodically check to ensure their staff are safe. Many smaller firms do not. 
A safety requirement in a fair pay agreement will ensure a level playing field where all guards are kept safe in their potentially high-risk roles. There are many advantages for working people with fair pay agreements. Fair paying conditions make a huge difference in the lives of workers, their families and whole communities. Having an industry-wide bargaining process gives vulnerable workers better access to fair negotiating processes. Instead of individuals or groups of workers negotiating a single employer, often delivering poverty wages, workers in an industry will be able to address sector-wide issues. This impacts on the future of work for all New Zealanders. So there are advantages for everyone in fair pay agreements. Many businesses report that they would like to pay higher wages but they cannot afford to because other companies will undercut them on wages and provide cheaper goods and services as a result. This can be described as a race to the bottom. An incentive to pay the lowest wages possible. Reducing poverty and inequality in New Zealand depends on regulation that prevents this. Minimum industry-wide standards delivered through fair pay agreements take competition around wages for the lowered paid out of the equation. It means that decent employers who want to do right by their staff are not undercut by exploitive employers. It also means that businesses' competition can be based on the best delivery of services, quality performance or the best products instead of the lowest possible wages. So what's next? The government have released a cabinet paper which affirms their commitment to implementing fair pay agreements and outlines what they think the legislation should look like. It's a good start and it is in line with the Fair Pay Agreement Working Group Report which ETU supports. However, there's still a lot of work to do. The proposal was not perfect ETU members will need to stay at the front of this campaign to make sure the legislation is as good as possible and wins the public support of the wider public. We will keep doing what we have been doing, campaigning, organising at workplaces, educating workers and teaching fellow members and all union members in New Zealand about fair pay agreements and how they could change their working lives. We will keep working with other unions, the government, on the design of the system, including through regular meetings with the Minister and eventually submitting on the legislation when it goes to Parliament, and this is expected to happen um, at the end of this year. In the meantime, here's what we know. Inequality is endemic in our society and must be addressed. Low wages and exploitive work conditions are a contributor to inequality. 
workers have better wages and conditions when they are in unions and have collective agreements. Most workers in low-wage industries are not in unions or are they either on, they are all on individual employment agreements. Industry-wide bargaining will improve wages and conditions for low-paid workers. And industry-wide bargaining will create an even playing field for employers taking wages out of competition. The development of fair pay agreements will be one of the best opportunities to transform New Zealand's low-paid economy and the lives of workers, families and communities currently suffering from inequality and deprivation. We'll just take a few minutes to um, play a song and I'll be back. I'm an economic rationalist from the Harvard Business School. I believe in level playing fields, don't you? For I know the world is flat. I have evidence for that and my every single utterance is true. Cut the welfare and the pay and you'll really make my day. Australian workers must learn to compete. Throw the strikers into jail, kick the unions in the tail. One meal a day is quite enough to eat. All the words free market forces are the words that I revere. I chant that dreary dogma in my sleep. Let the market forces free. To destroy our industry, you can tell my powers of reasoning run deep. Let the dollar float because, well, economic laws never let the government interfere. Let the foreign bankers in, regulation is a sin, no subsidies or tariffs do you hear? Structuring, I like it, yes, it has a lovely ring. But some people don't know how they should react. I'm the driest of the dries, and the word to me implies you have to cop it sweet when you are sacked. We must deregulate now before it is too late. I like to see the doll queues nice and long. When a factory closes down Oh, I really go to town I celebrate with women, wine and song Cut the welfare and the pay And you'll really make my day Australian workers must learn to compete Throw the strikers into jail Kick the unions in the tail One meal a day is quite enough to eat Kia ora and welcome back. You're with Lynn Williams with Calling All Workers brought to you from Unions Manawatu. I've just got a session here I'd like to go through around um, workplace bullying it's something that's really prevalent in our workplaces and it seems to be getting worse. 
So we know a respectful, respectful workplace is a workplace with effective and robust systems in place to tackle bullying or harassment whenever it may occur. The effects of bullying on employees are well documented. It causes loss of confidence, anxiety, stress, fatigue, and it can also trigger depression and other physical and mental afflictions. It's also been known to kill. Already vulnerable individuals have been known to suicide in reaction to workplace bullying. Bullying isn't simply an interpersonal issue. It can and typically does impact on the whole work group and the broader organisation. It has a toxic ripple effect. And of course, the witnesses and targets take the negative experiences they've had at work home with them. And you have to see that this has a negative impact on home life and relationships. The effects outside the workplace are very, very real. Bullying is repeated, and what gives its destructive impact is its repeated nature. It's unreasonable, unwanted behaviour and is targeted at an individual or small group. I see it as being like rust. You often don't know when it begins and it looks quite insignificant, but if you don't treat it over time, it builds up and that's what does the damage. It will corrode. Bullying is as corrosive to people as rust is to metal. If untreated, it breaks people. Bullying can be difficult to prove, as a lot of these things are normal aspects of being in a workplace. Context is important. These things could look like a normal day at work. We've all been asked to do things below our competence and have had information withheld from us. It's all about the pattern and when it's designed to make us look incompetent. Another different is harassment. This is unlawful. You have to redress under the Employment Relations Act. For bullying, that's not the case. Although you can make a complaint, it's not as straightforward. It's the outcome of a bullying that becomes grounds for these cases to go to court. A lot of these cases become personal grievances for unfair dismissal. There's also staff morale, motivation and turnover. If things in a workplace start to escalate, then you have a potential for litigation costs, costs of buyout and various other types of conversation And these are direct costs for organisations. So we ask, so what should an organisation do if there are accusations of bullying in the workplace? A good place to go if you have gaps in your procedures and processes against bullying is WorkSafe Rep's webpage. They have advice for employers about managing workplace bullying. There's information for workers, unions and organisations, as well as guidelines for small businesses. 
They also have guidance tailored for employees. In managing a complaint for employers, they need to firstly take it seriously. When we've looked at cases that have gone before the Employment Authority, we've seen that employers have not taken the complaint seriously. They've done absolutely nothing about it, no investigation or only a partial investigation and find themselves in big trouble and difficulty. They don't follow their policy and processes. Where they do have policy and processes to manage complaints, we find that they do not do this. We also find that witnesses feel very vulnerable in workplace and it's hard to get them to support people that are being bullied and try to get them to speak up. If they perceive the organisation is not going to support them to do this, they might feel that they're going to be victimised. Some people don't keep good reports or communicate when bullying complaints are being made. We also find that organisations in doing their investigation use people that are within their organisation. A good thing to do is make sure that they have an independent investigator looking into complaints or a good objective HR department, which is very usually very hard to find. This is to ensure that the bias does not become problematic where unreasonable behaviour or prejudice manifests in the way that the company deals with the issue. Where bias can be problematic is when it influences the way the investigation is conducted. It is important to have awareness of this to ensure that the investigation is effective. So people asked, am I being bullied? You don't like what's happening at work, but is it bullying? Work your way through to decide whether it is bullying and what you can do about it. Have a conversation with your union delegate or your harassment and bullying officer, which nine times out of ten could potentially be the manager or your boss. If it isn't bullying, it might be some other undesirable behaviour that you can still do something about. Personal comments and attacks. You know, anything that's belittling, undermining your integrity, your sense of judgement being questioned, if you're being excluded or ignored, anything like this can be perceived as bullying. So please, if you are finding these repeated patterns of unwelcome behaviour in your workplace, do not just put it behind you. Bring it to the forefront. Get some support from other co-workers, your union delegates, Bring it to the forefront for them to deal with because a lot of people just let it slide and they usually end up leaving their jobs.
it's not good enough. Just a few things about um, the new health reforms to boost workers' pay and conditions. Um, it's a hope that the government's recent proposed reform of the health system will lead to a better outcomes and employment conditions for all health workers. Back in April, the government announced that the country's 20 DHBs will eventually be replaced by a single, centralised public health body, Health New Zealand. It will also set up a specialised Māori Health Authority. Home support workers and community support industry council convener Marianne Bishop says that the move seems positive. She says hopefully not having DHBs is going to make things more equitable in healthcare across the country, meaning more money for people's health and hospitals and for workers to have better paying conditions. We also believe that this includes aged care, and we were talking about aged care, safe staffing at the beginning of this programme, home support, disability and community support services, and, of course, all contracted and directly employed DHB staff. We'll have to wait and see, but it's very important to have workers' voices heard and involve regional experts so things are made fair. We want um, the establishment of the Māori Health Authority um, to be pivotal and in front line because um, this is a huge step forward. It's never been done before and will prioritise Māori health care and outcomes in the context of the Crown's te tiriti obligations. The health reform process is expected to take around three years, but it's probably going to represent more than 15,000 workers over New Zealand. So thank you for being with me today. Um, But I will again invite you to be part of our public meeting for safe staffing in aged care which is on the Wednesday the 25th of August between 1 and 3pm at the Globe Theatre, Main Street, Palmerston North. Kia ora lovely to talk to you today. Go well, namahi. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.